This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. A co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick, and I'm going to turn things over now to Michael Shulman, a staff writer at the magazine who covers culture and entertainment. In preparing to interview Angela Bassett, I kind of threw myself an Angela Bassett film festival. I went back and watched or rewatched her great film performances from the 90s. There's her titanic star-making performance as Tina Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It?, And um, she kind of ruled the screen in the 90s. And she's worked really steadily since, but, you know, she's had this really interesting resurgence lately, thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Angela plays Queen Ramonda in the Black Panther movies, and she's nominated for Best Supporting Actress this year for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And she's actually the first actor to be nominated for a Marvel movie for an Academy Award. We talked about her role in the Black Panther movies, and I was curious about the particular challenges of acting in a Marvel movie. For instance, do you have to act a lot in front of a green screen? Well, here's the thing. We did very little on the green screen here. So the throne room, the throne room was there. Um, Looking through the floor, maybe outside of the throne room, that's not there. But everything, and it's humongous, it's huge. Jure, there's something that I need to tell you about your brother. We had trees and bushes and we had water. We had water for, you know, yards and yards and yards and yards and yards. And Namor came up out of the water. I am not a woman who enjoys repeating herself. Who... Are you? So part of what you uh, what you've done in this role um, as Queen Ramonda in the in the Black Panther uh, films, you know, they, they take place in uh, in Africa, but in an imaginary country, Wakanda. Um, how did you develop the accent for this, you know, imaginary nation? Did you have a sort of accent coaching or? Yeah, how did you get into the accent? No, we absolutely did. We had the same coach, Miss Beth, and she's there on set. And I would grab maybe three key phrases that I found on YouTube of um, Winnie Mandela or of um, certain uh, South African women, um, maybe a worker. And before a scene, um, I would. I would recite them to get me, you know, in the space. 
You see, he didn't he didn't want to play around. He just wanted to marry me, you know. And so I would I would say it, you know, he didn't want to play around around with me, I must say. He just wanted to marry me, you know. So that would sort of get me in the in the zone. There was another attack on one of our outreach facilities. Proof of the involvement of a member state is being uploaded to your mobile devices as we speak. And as for the identity of the attackers... Angela grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, She lived there with her younger sister and her mother, a social worker, who had her own instinct for performing. When we were young, my mother, my sister, we would often, you know, gather around the stereo and pick out a favorite song of the day. And mine might be Gladys Knight, I heard it through the grapevine, you know, or um, Nancy Wilson, guess who I saw today, you know, (laughs) a real story. Guess who I saw today, my dear. I went in town to shop around for something new. Later, when I was in an enrichment program, Upward Bound, at Eckerd College, you know, we would have talent nights or we would have Miss Upward Bound or something like that, and you would have a dis- you would have to display a talent. And I would, I didn't have a wild idea. I couldn't sing or tap dance, but um, I loved poetry. So I, I found poetry. And the recitation, I found a, an album of Ruby Dee's where she did, you know, uh, the, the poems of Langston Hughes. Hmm. So, and, and I heard it, it was more than just reciting the, the poems, the words. It was more than that. She put, she's, she put something in there with it. To fling my arms wide in some place of the sun, to whirl and to dance, though the white day is done, then rest at cool evening beneath a tall tree while night comes on gently, dark. Like she stirred something in there with it, some fire, some heat, some excitement. And I, it just, bing, it just opened up my whole imagination. And so I, I copied her. I I took about three of those poems and I strung them together and I did um, this very long poem and it's it's got this repetitive thing going on with it you know sin for the this sin for this one sin for that one sin. and if they don't come sin for Robespierre and and it just goes on and on and on and nobody comes sin for me <laughs> and the audience just stood. Up and they clapped and they clapped and they responded and my knees got very weak and I was and I was you know trying not to go down on them you know and it was just the first recognition that for me at fifteen that um, that that drama that theater that words that passion can, up from one human being could move another. And then maybe I had something, maybe I had a gift for it. Well, you really spent your 20s as a working actor, a lot of it in New York. Um, You were doing sort of parts in soap operas or sitcoms or what have you. What were were you being cast as when you were just going out for roles in your 20s trying to make it? Mm. 
graduated from school and maybe about a year later got cast as an understudy in a in a bus and we could bus and truck tour of this play called Colored People's Time, which was from the Negro the Negro Ensemble Company. So this theater that had done a, a the, one of my theses on at Yale. Um, this was an old play that they had done. They took it around to Syracuse and different little places like that. Sam Jackson was in it. I remember, <laughs> you know, um, L. Scott Caldwell on and on. Carol Maylard, who's a member of Sweet Honey and the Rock. So different, you know, just working actors in New York. There wasn't a lot of television in New York at that time. I think there was The Equalizer and The Cosby Show. I got a, I remember I got a, a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial and I was happy chicken. I like Kentucky Fried until about the fourth hour. Then I hated chicken. <laughs> I hate Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and were you, did so, you have like day jobs throughout this time? Like I read that you worked at a, uh, as a receptionist at a beauty yeah, salon. Georgette Klinger Salon. It was, it was a challenge because I, um, I had my, you know, my agent, they're sending you out and trying to do this thing that I've studied for, that I have these loans for. So I'm, I'm, you know, in this little hallway sitting next to other, you know, other ladies answering the phone and booking appointments for facials with Miss Katrina and Miss Jocelyn and Miss whoever from Europe. And I think they are one lady from Jamaica. But it, we would have literally 45 minutes off for lunch you know, on the east side of New York, on Madison Avenue. Because I would run in, I would, I would blurt out the, the audition and then try to run back uptown and cross town. And then I would get reprimanded for being 10 minutes late or whatever. It was just so stressful. I knew I can't give my best in the auditions because I'm worried about getting back to work on time. So I, I heard about another job that came up Gave my notice at the at the salon, and I went to Rockefeller Center, one of those tall buildings, and start working for this one gentleman. He would send me to AP, Associated Press, to their photo departments. He said, "Oh, I need, I need slides on what's going on, you know, in this war, this situation, or whatever." And I would go show him, and say, "Oh, it's Friday, and and um." I need you to take these slides and fly them to D.C. to the office on the shuttle. Oh, okay. So I get to do that a couple times. That's exciting. And I said, oh, I have an audition. Um, I have. A, he, when's your audition? I was like, it's at it. It's at two. Well, it's twelve. Do you need to go get ready? Go get ready. <laughs> I I just couldn't believe it. Um, he knew that. You know, this 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 was a, a means to an end that here with him was not the end. Angela Bassett speaking with The New Yorker's Michael Shulman. More in a moment. WNYC Studios is supported by Lincoln Financial. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking... What is it that you love to do, and how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you are not slowing down, so your retirement plan should be more of an action plan, a hiking plan, a music plan, a sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, 
we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future so you can keep doing more of what you love. Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. It's a high-stakes election year, so it's not enough to just follow along. You need to understand what's happening so you are fully informed come November. Every weekday on the NPR Politics Podcast, our political reporters break down important stories and backstories from the campaign trail so you understand why it matters to you. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's talk for a moment about what's love got to do with it. An absolutely incredible film. Um, from what I've read, it was a really difficult shoot. You were uh, the the film was trying to uh, open during Tina's world tour, and you've said mm-hmm. you were working twenty hour days. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, fractured a hand. You were dancing in high heels. Uh, what what was it like to actually to film, and how did you? cope with the just the incredibly hard work and and the pressure of making it oh you i just remember thinking um you might lose a battle but we're trying to win a war so you just kept going and going and going and that's that's how you did it you know um i would literally put on my 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 earphones put in the CD disc or whatever. I'm listening to her songs and listen to it till I fall asleep. I would listen to half a phrase over and over and over and over and over again and try to dissect it. You know, did she inhale? Did she exhale? Did she, you know, and I would I would just study each and every detail within a, a phrase or half a phrase. Um, oh... <clears throat> There's something on my mind. I would just study the O part, <laughs> you know, to get it perfectly right. Did she inhale before she said that? Did she exhale at the end of that? Somebody please, please tell me what's wrong. You're just a fool. You know you're in love. What do you say? I think I lost my voice a couple times. They would send someone, a doctor, who would put some tubing up through the sinuses, which is very scary. And even though it wasn't my vocals you were hearing, I was certainly full out singing, getting up at 5 a.m., working out with Michael Peters, who worked famously with Michael Jackson. I love that. And he would just put me through the paces for about 10 hours. I literally would eat standing up. I never sat at a table and enjoy breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I was just so frazzled on black coffee, ch- plain chicken breast, and white potatoes, and, and uh, green beans. That's literally all that I ate during that time. Working out, everything hurt. Not a, you know, just shred it down. We would do a, do a dance number, and they'd say, okay, cut. 
All right, let's do it again. And I literally say, can an actor just have 60 seconds? Can actors have, can we have 60 seconds? Because it felt as if you had swallowed a wool sweater. You're like, <sighs> just trying to get your breath at, at the end of it. You know, every now and then, I think you might like to hear something from us. Nice and easy. But there's just one thing. You see, we never ever do nothing nice and easy. And this role uh, really just catapulted you into this this echelon of stardom. You know, you did these these two movies, uh, Waiting to Exhale, and uh, How Stella Got Her Groove Back. That are, are you know they're almost like a genre unto themselves, like these movies that were being made sort of around you about the romantic lives of Black women. And uh, I mean, what did it feel like to sort of be at the center of a kind of movie being made for, uh, you know, for an audience that had a, hadn't been catered to in that way? I mean, mm-hmm. did your relationship with, with the audience change? It felt fantastic, felt phenomenal. You know, we hadn't seen ourselves in in that way, especially waiting to exhale just for fr- for a black woman and for black women and their friends and their support system for each other. And they're classy and they're beautiful and they're, you know, and and they have, I mean, they have a joie de vivre and um and they and they have pain and they're going through things. They think they're at the end and they'll never find love. They're being dogged out, you know. Um, and we well, had it was. It's an obvious precursor to Sex in the City. There you go. And we let the we let that moment. We let that movement. And, you know, and First Wives Club and all that that follow. Because before then, here we are. We are. Yes, sir. May I get your coffee? I'm the secretary, or you know that sort of that sort of thing. Um, but it felt wonderful that times had changed, and here was here, here were these movies that featured black women in complicated and loving relationships, and we could do it well, and it wasn't a joke. So I was very happy with that. So I've noticed in the past couple of years, Angela, you've been doing a bit more comedy. I mean, there was the episode <laughs> you were in of Master of None, um, mm-hmm. which playing Lena Waite's uh, mother in the Thanksgiving episode, which was an absolutely brilliant uh, performance in a terrific episode mm-hmm. of television. Uh, you were in a Black lady sketch show in a, a sketch called Angela Bassett is the Baddest Bitch. And I'm wondering, <laughs> um, was, you know, was did this, did something about comedy appeal to you or about sort of winking to the audience about, you know, sort of your, your rep as this, just sort of as this bad bitch that you wanted to embrace? My whole thing was drama. I was just drama queen, just sturm and drama. But off camera, my friends say I'm pretty funny. So I appreciate that that's the way they saw me and that I got that opportunity, you know? Well, I mean, you were certainly from, especially from uh, the evidence of, of Master of None, you just have this incredible comic timing. I mean, there's there's a lot of incredible side-eye acting in that episode mm-hmm. when you, when when your uh, daughter brings home like these these sort of like floozy girlfriends over Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely <laughs> hysterical. Thank you. Yeah, just someone who's, you know, t- doesn't understand it completely, but loves her baby 
and uh, and wants the best for them. So, what is the problem? Just annoyed that I even have to have this conversation with you. What conversation? I'm sitting here being normal. You acting like a crazy person. Ma, mm -hmm. I'm gay. You what? I'm gay. And it was an important story to tell, an important moment. Yeah. So I was so happy that I was able to be there and 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 the eyes that saw it and the the change that happened for people who were able to speak to their parents or it spoke to them, yeah. you know, um, to have those moments in, you know, just from acting, whether it's what's love and people who have been in abusive relationships and got out of it, or whether it's Stella and those who thought, well, at 40, it's over. And they say, uh-uh, evidently it's not. And they you know, book their Jamaican or their Caribbean vacation and, you know, and get their groove back. To have an opportunity to speak to folk, that's been a great blessing. Well, um, well, thank you, uh, first of all, for all these great performances over the years that uh, have been really fun for me to revisit. And uh, and good luck at the Oscars. Do you know what you're going to wear? I don't, Michael Shulman. I don't. But I was looking at this, this frock I have on today. It's a lovely shade of purple, maybe. And purple is the color of royalty. Oh, it's such a responsibility. <laughs> The New Yorker's Michael Shulman speaking with Angela Bassett. She's nominated for an Oscar for her role in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The conversation also appears in written form in The New Yorker's interviews issue this week alongside conversations with Kate Blanchett, crossword editor Will Shorts, and many more. The New Yorker Radio Hour is a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. Our theme music was composed and performed by Meryl Garbess of Tune Yards, with additional music by Alexis Quadrado and Louis Mitchell. This episode was produced by Max Balton, Frida Green, Adam Howard, Kalalia, David Krasnow, Jeffrey Masters, Louis Mitchell, and Ngofen and Puchabuele, with guidance from Emily Botin and assistance from Harrison Keithline and Meher Bhatia. The New Yorker Radio Hour is supported in part by the Chirina Endowment Fund. NYC Now delivers breaking news, top headlines, and in-depth coverage from WNYC and Gothamist every morning, midday, and evening. By sponsoring our programming, you'll reach a community of passionate listeners in an uncluttered audio experience. Visit sponsorship.wnyc.org to learn more.